0: So, we have the Illuminati. Now, the Illuminati uh, was established in 1776 by a fellow named Adam Weisshoff. In 1773, he was commissioned by one of the Rothschilds, uh, House of Rothschild, to put together an organization called the Illuminati. And he culminated his work in May the first 1776 if you'll notice that's a communist holiday but some of his goals uh, and the goals that he was commissioned to set up there were 25 of them and here they, they are right here Here's the beginning of it right here and in, rather than read each one of them I'm going to summarize it okay because we got a lot of work to get into number one issue was men are inclined to evil rather than good number two goal and issue was to preach liberalism number three use the ideas of freedom to bring about class wars that's what we're doing today number four any and all means should be used to reach our goals uh, as they are justified any and all means number five their rights lie in force that's we're talking about the illuminati rights lie in force Number six, the power of our resources must remain invisible until the very moment when it has gained the strength that no cunning or force can undermine it. And if you will notice, it's been a very uh, no, very few people know about the Illuminati, so they have maintained their invisibility until most recently. Number seven, advocated mob psychology to obtain control of the masses. Number eight, use alcohol, drugs, moral corruption, and all forms of vice to systematically corrupt the youth of the nation. Uh, number nine, seize property by any means. We're seeing that on a daily basis. Farmers, businessmen, people who are arrested for on nebulous charges, their property's being taken away from them. Number 10, deal with the use of slogans such as equity, liberty, fraternity, into the mouths of the masses in psychological warfare. Number 11, dealt with war, number 11 theory and goal. Number 12, told those present that they must use their wealth to have candidates chosen to public office who would be obedient to their demands and would be used as pawns in the game by the men behind the scenes. The advisors will have been bred, reared and trained from childhood to rule the affairs of the world.
1: Welcome everybody to NWCZradio.com, channel one's down the rabbit hole. My name is Big D. I'm Brandon. And it's great to have everybody along. I hope you're doing well. I hope you're enjoying the sort of the waning moments of summer, getting out there and enjoying wherever you're at, whether it's sunshine or whether it's slightly warmer weather because we're just around the corner from heading into fall and then winter. So, today okay. on the big program, we're going to talk, we're going back into the Illuminati family. Yes. Or the families of the Illuminati. The supposed, I there's 13 of them. The family that we're talking about today, most of you probably never heard of. There's a reason for that, it's by design. Illuminati families aren't always in the spotlight. They're not always the Rothschilds or the Rockefellers. There are those who operate in the shadows who do dirty deeds that we don't know they're there. Yeah. And this is such a family.
2: Well, we've said it before when we've talked about like the the Illuminati and a lot of these, you know, that we think the ones that are the most powerful, the ones we've never heard of. Yes. You know, and I don't think that are the Bundys. I don't think the Bundys are like the most powerful. But I think, you know, we're going to find more and more that there's a lot of people and a lot of families and a lot of people inside the the Illuminati that we have no idea who they are. We've never heard of them. We don't know who they are. It's it's but it's by design.
1: There's a lot of members of the Bundy family who really flew under the radar. As we get into it, you're going to see they were involved in the Manhattan Project, a lot of bankers. They were big time involved in advising several presidents of the United States. Almost every single one of them, member of Skull and Bones. So don't get confused with the Bundys being a family that is a cast off. Like You don't need to know about them because they're still around. I'm looking at the family tree, and there's still quite a few Bundys that are running. William Bundy in particular, well, he just recently passed away, but uh, McGeorge Bundy, Robert Bundy, Catherine Lawrence Bundy, a lot of these people are still alive and still very powerful, Yeah, carrying on this legacy of this Bundy family. And so we're going to get into the Bundy family and we're like I said, we're starting back into this. So we'll probably do three or four families and then we'll take another break. But we wanted to start off with this crew because I think they fly under the radar. Like I was telling before we started, I told Brandon, they're kind of like the Ringo of the Beatles or maybe the, uh, the, the Larry of the Three Stooges. They're there. They're important. They're a part of the crew but they don't get the notoriety.
2: No, and like we said, I, I think it's by design. I think they're they're supposed to be that group that's a little bit. They don't want to be out in front. They don't want people to know who they are. They like the you know anonymity of being able to sit back and know that they're pulling strings, but nobody knows.
1: Yeah, and one of the things that I read a lot of, and it, especially in Fritz Spenmeier's, Bloodlines of the Illuminati, and several other articles that I've read about the Bundys, it always started off with Ted Bundy. Yeah. But they never made the connection, like the full connection of Ted Bundy being part of this Bundy crew. And he was, but I mean, what a lot
2: of people forget too is that Ted Bundy wouldn't be technically Bundy Bloodline. Right. Because Ted Bundy was adopted, but he did get some of the benefits of being part of the Bundy line which you can look at look at his career look at how he was going you know the political path he was taking Mm -hmm. the the parties that he was involved in and you look at it and everyone's like most people look at it and they're like oh it's just because he's charming and everything else it's like no because he was actually part of this in this blood you know Bundy family and that's how he was getting these connections and how he was able to rise up and go from you know and be such a big part of these, you know, the, the, you know, political things and all these parties.
1: Yeah. He was very involved in politics in Washington state Mm -hmm. and he was on the rise and there's a lot of speculation that Ted would not have ever been discovered, but he just couldn't control himself and he crossed the line and even they had to let him go we've never done a show on Ted Bundy, but a a lot of documentaries and a a lot of theories regarding Ted Bundy is that it was kind of known what he was doing and they were covering for him because he was part of this Bundy clan. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: And they talked to him. They tried to rein him in. He couldn't control himself, obviously. And they had, Eventually, he had to just cut ties. But even look, even if you go and listen to the interviews of Ted Bundy, and I know he was a psychopath, and I know he was crazy, so you have to take everything with a grain of salt. But he talked a lot about a bunch of inside information that he had. He claimed to be Mormon at one point. He claimed to know about Howard Hughes, which is we're going to get into that with the Bundys here. Uh, all kind of stuff that he spouted off that people just sort of cast off, and and probably rightfully so. I don't know. But when you look at the bigger picture, it's very interesting.
2: It is. And like you said, I mean, it's one of those things. I mean, the Howard Hughes angle, which someone we've never gone and talked about. Um, someday we should. And I mean, you know, I think we should do Ted Bundy eventually. But, I mean, how he ties into this group is is quite interesting.
1: Yeah. All right, well let's get into the Bundy family and get into the details of this crew that you need to know because as as I jokingly said I think it was our last episode these eventually these they all plan to be our overlords so we might as well get to know them. Yep. Figure to find out who they are, what they're all about. And it is amazing to me how they recruit these different group these different families. Like you don't just mm-hmm sign up as a family for the Illuminati. They see something in you. They observe that you're manipulative or they can manipulate you. They observe that they can puppet you and you whatever this family is, they sign an agreement, whether it's physical or just, you know, in principle, to carry out the Illuminati plan. And I mm-hmm. assume that they're, they're given all kind of promises and all kind of assurances that they will be part of the elite and the ruling class when it all breaks down. Yeah. And so the Bundys kind of start off with this guy named Harvey Hollister Bundy in 1888. And I mean, I, I'm sure it goes back a little further than that, but he, we're just going to start with him because he's probably the most recent as far as the the illuminati history goes because the illuminati basically started in 1776 but it took them a while to get going to get their philosophy going and to start recruiting people
2: yeah man it's what we've talked about we went through the illuminati and how they all started but yeah
1: so harvey bundy was a member of skull and bones and he was a special assistant to secretary of war he was a law clerk for justice oliver wendell holmes And he was a key Pentagon man on the Manhattan Project. If you don't know what the Manhattan Project is, look it up. Yeah. (laughs) He was also the Secretary of U.S. Sugar Equalization Board. He was the chairman of the Panama Railway Company, chairman of Boston Personal Property Trust, director of Boston Five Cent Savings Bank, director of the State Street and Union Trust Companies, director of the New York-England Merchants, director of R.M. Bradley Company. And in 1952, here's, this is where he started to show his colors. 1952, he became the chairman of the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace. He was the chairman on Foreign Bondholders Protective Council and president of the World Peace Foundation. The Carnegie Endowment for International Peace and the World Peace Foundation are all part of the Council on Foreign Relations. Those are all shill set up groups for the Illuminati, and they love to put those titles on there. Mm -hmm. Endowment for International Peace, World Peace Foundation.
2: Because it sounds
1: good. Well, yeah, it's the reverse mindset, right? So people are like, wow, I mean, what's wrong with those guys? They just want international peace. They're just looking for world peace. However, you pull the curtain back and you see what they're actually working towards. It's a one world system in which they have all the peace and everything else is chaotic.
2: Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, some people don't think about, you know, what some other people's definition of peace is. Peace is that there's no war, but, you know, it's like the big joke everyone made because there was the TV show Peacemaker. That was the, the comic book. His whole idea was he'll... You know he'll get make peace. It don't doesn't matter how many people he has to kill to do it. I mean, yeah, it, it, peace is great. Just how you get there can be interesting, and how a lot of these pe- people want peace is by getting rid of us.
1: Oh yeah, well, or controlling everybody. Yeah. So you also have a guy named Eugene Bundy. Well, he was a lawyer and a judge from 1889 to 1896. He was the vice president and director of the Central Trust and Savings Company. Major banking ties. Mm-hmm. He was partner of Bundy and Jones. He was a chairman of the Republican State Central Committee, and a member of the Knights of Pythias. Also, he was a member of Order of the Red Men and the Order of the Elks. So you're seeing the banking ties, and uh, the Illuminati, the World Bank, the International Finance Committee. These are all run by the Illuminati, all of them, every single one of them. And they love bankers. And this Mm -hmm. family was heavily involved in banking. You also had Frederick Bundy, who was a member of Skull and Bones, and he was the chairman of the North Atlantic Filet Council. And you had Harriet Lowell Bundy, who married uh, Gaspar Bellin, and he was a Skull and Bones member. You had Harry Bundy, who was a Mason, and a chief adept ninth degree, he was a uh, also Harvey Bundy went to Yale and he was part of the secret society and he was a banker, George uh, McGeorge Bundy, member of Skull and Bones, the Council for Foreign Relations, president of the Ford Foundation, member of the Bilderberg Special Assistant Group. He was also in the ear of President Kennedy and Johnson on National Security Affairs. He was the National Security Advisor. You had Robert Bundy, and then you had William Bundy, who was a member of Skull and Bones. He was part of the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations. He was a big-time part of the CIA. He was the editor-in-chief of the Council on Foreign Relations Foreign Affairs magazine. And it goes on. I could just go on about um, yeah. all of these, these guys. So that's kind of the old school group of the Bundys. That's how they, they got their money through banking. They made a ton of money. They were all part of Skull and Bones, which is the secret club, secret society. The most famous was when John Kerry was running against George Bush. And they were both skull and bones members. And there's a famous interview where somebody asked John Kerry, is this a conflict of interest? You guys are both skull and bones, and you've both, you know, committed to the skull and bones. And does that affect anything? And John Kerry said, I can't tell you that. It's a secret.
2: And that's the thing that always gets me with those. I mean, you're a politician, you lie for a living. Just lie. The second you say I can't tell you that, now you're just you're pushing it down the line, and you're making it so that people are like, "Oh,
1: well, if he's saying that, that must mean it's true." Oh yeah, and so some of the more uh, modern and pro- I'd say prominent members currently of the Bundys is Charles Bundy. He is executive and manager of a bunch of companies, and also involved in the banking you have charles bundy secretary of the frost foundation you also have another charles bundy secretary of the cornelius foundation all these foundations we've talked about that this is where they hide their money these foundations that they hide their money and they do their dirty deeds through these foundations Uh, you have hezekiah bundy who is a congressman and a lawyer jonas bundy founder and editor of the New York Evening Mail newspaper. You had General William Edgar Bundy, who was a U.S. attorney. Uh, he was a trustee at Ohio University, and on and on. Those are some of the names that you should know, some of the names that you might recognize, but probably not, because like we said, they operate under the radar, big time.
2: hmm And like we said, that's by design. I mean, how... How easy is it for them to do all this if nobody knows who they are?
1: But they held powerful, powerful positions, and they still do. Uh, Mm -hmm. According to several articles I read, it said most Americans would not recognize the Bundy family as a powerful elite family, and that's true. However, during recent history, two Bundy brothers held the key positions that controlled most of the information that was fed to U.S. presidents during the Kennedy and Johnson administrations. According to this article, when Johnson took over after JFK was assassinated, McGeorge Bundy was in the key position as national security advisor to determine what the president did and didn't hear. Both Bundy brothers were also brothers of the Illuminati Order of the Skull and Bones. And then it goes on to talk about how Jonas Bundy earlier had been a key advisor to President Grant, President Garfield, and it goes on. Also, McGeorge Bundy sat on the MJ-12, which is the Council of Wise Men that rules the United States. And so these people, these guys, were all making policy, whispering in the ear of, and directing presidents and their staff and cabinets on what is the best interest of the Illuminati. And if you don't think that's not going on today, your eyes aren't open. Oh, yeah, it is. I mean, it's obvious that, uh, especially the World Economic Forum, who obviously has saddled up right alongside the Illuminati or could just be a puppet group, everything they're asking for, you're seeing it in real time around the world, including America, come to fruition. And they don't care if it hurts you at the pump, at the grocery store, with your jobs. It's a transition, don't you know? Yeah. One of the more interesting things about this is is a lot of times we wonder where these guys get their power and get their money. Well, there's some real questions as to whether or not these guys, the Bundy family, took a bunch of Howard Hughes's money.
2: Because there's always been question of Howard Hughes that there's a lot of his money that disappeared. Oh, like, ton- so that's one that we should definitely do like Howard Hughes one time because there's a lot of weird shit
1: with him. There's a ton of evidence that a lot of his money went to the Mormons because yes. he would because, because he would only hire Mormons to as his security detail, as his financiers, as basically people closest to him. And he the reason why he would only hire Mormons is because he thought they were morally good people like they <laughs> They didn't smoke, they didn't drink, you know, they had a good work ethic. That this was his reasoning. But I've watched several documentaries where you can trace back to Howard Hughes passing away, and all of a sudden the Mormon church is buying up radio stations, TV stations, Pepsi Cola, Albertsons, like they all of a sudden were flush with cash, and everyone's like, hmm. How did Hmm. that happen? How did
2: that happen, considering there's a lot of Howard Hughes money that went missing?
1: Yes. Well, uh, some people think a lot of it went also to the Bundy family. Because one of the uh, Bundys, or a few of them actually, were involved in working with Howard Hughes as a prisoner. Specifically, Eric Bundy was placed in charge of the prisoner, Howard Hughes. And according to this article... They believe it was by design that the Illuminati family of the Onassis clan put Eric Bundy in charge of Howard Hughes. Because as we all know, Howard Hughes was very eccentric. He was pretty weird. He didn't trust anybody. And he, so he was a tough nut to crack, let's just say that. Yeah. They put the Bundys in charge of Howard Hughes as a prisoner. To gain his trust, to find out his secrets, find out where his money was. Because here's my thought. This is just me conjecturing. Howard Hughes probably should have been a part of the Illuminati. Probably. And I assume they approached him. But he was so crazy and kind of nutsy that he told them to bug off. They wanted his money, power, and influence. And they were trying to figure out how to get it. So when they brought him down and they made him a prisoner, that's why they assigned the Bundys to watch over him, gather his secrets, gather his trust, how, however they could do it, to get into his head and get into his wealth and his influence.
2: Yeah, he's and he's one of those ones, like I said, I mean, if you we got to talk about Howard Hughes one day, but yeah, there's a lot of things that conspiracies that have to do with the Bundys of like that whole prisoner thing of that Howard Hughes, what we knew of Howard Hughes towards the end was actually an actor and that Howard Hughes had, you know, been taken captive by the Illuminati and held over by the Bundys. And that's how they were. They, they yeah, there's a lot of really weird stuff once you get down that rabbit hole.
1: And it actually, and it goes, the Bundys even go deeper than that. They were really involved with, Joe McCarthy trying and bringing him down. Joe McCarthy gets a a really bad rap. I mean, I think he was an interesting character. I I wasn't alive while he was doing his thing, so I can only go on the history, and the history is really lopsided on Joe McCarthy. Mm -hmm. But Joe McCarthy figured out the Illuminati and what was going on. According to several articles I read, he tried to bring in one of the Bundys uh, and and several of the top Illuminati families for congressional questioning. Of course, none of them showed up, and it wasn't long after that that McCarthy was dead. And according to this article, uh, they've dragged his name through the mud. Even as recent as 1992 presidential campaign, George Bush, who was skull and bones, was still taking pod shots at Joe McCarthy. According to this article, William Bundy commented on the help Alan Dulles gave him through his, his affair with the following words. Quote, I guess there was an element of tribal loyalty in the way that Alan handled this, that he knew me, he knew my brother, a sort of fellow feeling, a feeling for the comradeship of CIA, but also a tribal feeling towards a set of people who were in law firms, entered government when the need was felt, and could be invited back to the House. Uh, William Bundy was in the CIA, he was a staff director, and according to several articles, he was setting goals, uh, national goals, that were basically rigging elections. According to this, it says, what this implies is that something is happening above and beyond the American people voting at the voting booths. Congressmen voting at Capitol and the marketplace simply functioning. Indeed, there's a guiding hand behind a bench which is taking us down a pre-planned route to achieve Illuminati goals. Bundy's Commission on National Goals set down goals that are part of the Illuminati philosophy. The goal state that the individual has a duty to advance the will of the state, and the state, quote, is to stimulate changes of attitude. The American citizens in the years ahead ought to devote a large portion of his time and energy directly to solution of the nation's problem, many ways are open for citizens to participate in the attainment of national goals. But the goals that, he was, that they were putting forward that they wanted all of the Americans to work towards were basically the destruction of America. Hmm. So what they do is they go then they go into the Council on Foreign Relations and they get the Tavistock Institute involved and they get all these various foundations who are not part of the government They're not part... Nobody's elected them. They're just there. And they institute these goals and they buy off politicians to basically put them into rules, laws, or recommendations. That's how this whole thing works. Hmm. The Bundys are definitely an interesting one. Also, there's a large a branch of Bundy's who were in Connecticut and then in New York. And then there's another group of Bundy's who were in North Carolina. And it's hard to determine which is which in this crew. It's like we said, we we keep saying it's by design.
2: I mean, it's one of those things. It's like, you know, it's, we don't know. And it's tough because it's one of those things, even reading, you know, in the, the, the CIA, paper, the what's his name? I always forget his name. Fritz Sprintmeyer. Yeah, Sprintmeyer's paper on it. I mean, he even says that his knowledge and research is limited. So because he couldn't find a whole lot on the Bundys you know, at that time. And even now it's tough because nobody knows who they are. The only time they're really mentioned is on in the paper, the 13th the 13 families but even if you go to youtube or you go to you know apple oh, there's Potter nothing and try and find something on the bundy bloodlines you either get ted bundy or you get Al bundy i mean there's nothing on these this group and it's very hard to find anything on this family this is probably one of the ones that i had to search the hardest to find information on
1: according to an article i read This was the statement. So the particular members of the Bundy family that are prominent in the new world order today are the ones who would have inherited the position of authority over the family if the Illuminati tradition had been followed. Bundy family was an old American family that was part of the Eastern establishment, but with only a few exceptions like Congressman Solomon Bundy in early 19th century, the family has only come into the public's eye during the 20th century. His family also service is not so prominent in other places. Two of the key early Watchtower Society leaders were Bundy's. Uh, that was Walter Bundy who went with Charles Taze Russell, who was the founder of the Watchtower. And those are the um, Jehovah's Witness.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Also Edwin Bundy, who worked at the Bethel headquarter at the turn of the century and traveled around the U.S. for the Watchtower Society. Again, They kind of flew under the radar and they still do to this day. Yeah. So another thing that I found interesting about the Bundy's is there was a lot of chatter and connection to the mafia with these guys. I saw that too. Yeah. Several articles I read, they claim that the Illuminati created and ran or still does run the mafia. So they operated this Hegelian philosophy, which I don't know if you know what that is. But, no, I haven't heard that one. Well, it's the simple... <laughs> it's the mafia tried-and-true tactic, right? You send a an ominous note to a business owner with, say, like a black hand on it. If you don't do this, we're going to destroy your business. We are the black hand. And yeah. he doesn't know who they are. He has no idea. And so he's freaked out. Then... At, And it's sent by the mafia, by the way. Then the mafia comes in a few days later and says, oh, hey, we understand that you're being harassed by the black hand. We're here to save you. So if you give us a certain percentage of your business, we'll make sure that the black hand doesn't bother you. And so the owner, thinking he's being saved, and is thinking that, great, I'm going to be protected. Well, the group that's protecting him is protecting him from themselves. It's the classic shakedown. Yeah. And apparently the, the Bundys ran this a lot. Hmm. And they were part of the Illuminati enforcement into the mafia, where they would go in and teach these guys how to run their scams. They would run a lot of their money through their banks. Then, oddly enough, the Bundys slid over into the CIA, which... As we all know, uh, it was only a couple of good men in the CIA that dared take on the mafia. They were kind of yeah. rogue agents because the CIA was covering pretty much for the mafia because they were taking money from them and they were giving them heads up on raids. And they were, you know, everyone's like, well, they were bought off. Well, were they or were they part of the whole thing? Was the CIA actually the black hand using the mafia? as the cover, you know, the good guy cover, and then f- the money got funneled back into the banks that were run by the Bundys and others. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that goes on in the shadows that we're not aware of. And you have to be cognizant of that because we're learning about this now, but, the, I mean, the mafia was at their height, what, in the 40s, 50s, And then they started breaking down. I mean, they still exist to a small degree, but nothing like, you know, they they created Vegas and they ran the East Coast. And it was a huge, and they, you know, they ran all the bootleg booze and everything. They made tons of money off all this stuff. Oh, yeah. The whole, I mean, that's one of the things that we should talk about
2: once sometime is, you know, the whole idea of getting rid of alcohol and how that actually created the
1: mafia in, in the U.S. in many ways. Right. Well, and also, going back to Howard Hughes, mm-hmm. I thought this was interesting. This is, uh, I'm going to read this, this paragraph about Howard Hughes and the Bundys. I thought it was interesting. It says, uh, Robert Mayhew and other men like him had infiltrated Howard Hughes' organization prior to his kidnapping. In 1957, a wing or branch of the Illuminati under Onassis and then in parentheses, commonly known as the mob or mafia, kidnapped the upstart billionaire and genius Howard Hughes. And according to this article, the, the Illuminati saw Howard Hughes as competition with the top 13 families, and he didn't want to join, and so they're going to destroy him. And according to this article, from the best inside information I have obtained concerning this area of Illuminati activity, apparently two who were look-alikes to Howard Hughes were used. The reason two were used will be explained. First, because Howard Hughes, actually L. Wayne Rector, was on rare occasion, showed himself as being a a fake, and the Illuminati wanted to keep him out of the public eye as much as possible, so they got a body double. The natural story was that because Howard Hughes was so reclusive, he had hired Hollywood actor Brooks Randall to be his double to keep newsmen and other snoops from following him. When Howard Hughes, the actual one, L, Rain, L. Wayne Rector, would go out, he would then decoy Brooks Randall to keep the photographers and everybody at bay. It was Robert Mayhew that hired Brooks Randall. And then it goes on to talk about how they plotted to take him out. They put the Bundys in charge of him. And and then it became a big deal. It became a big problem with the CIA and the, the Bundy, the Bundys were being called in and qu- going to be questioned. They were actually going to be charged. But the Illuminati came in and got them off. They never even had to show up. And it was just this huge insider thing. And there was a famous letter that was written by McCarthy, by Joe McCarthy, when the, these Bundys got off and basically we're told, hey, you don't have to show up. It's no big deal. We've got it all taken care of. Joe McCarthy said, this is the end of civil society in America. This is the end of law and order. This is the end of America. And he was dead not long after that. Hmm. So you can see the power that these guys pulled, even though most of us don't even know who the heck they are.
2: Which is fascinating. Like I said, that's one of the things I think with this one, when you first mentioned them, I was even like, the who? What? The Bundys? I'm like, you know, and uh, my first thoughts thinking, you know, married with children and Al Bundy, but it's like the Bundy family. And that and then once I started researching, I'm like, how is it that we do this show weekly? And before you'd mentioned it, I'd I'd, I'd kind of heard of them because I'd read, you know, through the the 13 Illuminati families and we'd mentioned them, but I just, it was, they they were a background name. So no idea who they really were until I started looking at it. And I'm like, how is it that these guys have stayed so far in the background that we've never heard of them?
1: Yeah, well, and apparently Harry Bundy was not only a, skull and bones he was also a mason and he was involved in the rosicrucians he started a bunch of the or helped start several of the daughter organizations such as the golden dawn the stella mutatina the ordo templa orientis also known as the oto they worked closely with German Illuminism and the Theosophical Society, which, of course, we know that, that's where the Illuminati came out of. Mm-hmm. It says, On April twentieth, 1948, Harry Bundy became the chief adept of the Colorado College. Uh, two letters by the Supreme Magnus of all the SR groups. They're photocopies so readers can read for themselves that the SRIA Supreme Magnus, who happens to be the, the leading mag- magician... That they are all connected to the Illuminati. So, th- this guy started groups in Scotland, in Nova Scotia, in Greece, in Canada, all these offshoot groups of these, you know, kind of weird theosophical groups that were studying Illuminism and furthering this idea that they were all the enlightened ones and that they had all this special knowledge. And according to this, the membership is very exclusive. That there's about a dozen U.S. lodges called, quote, colleges with about 40 members each. Which, according to this article, lends this guy to believe that they have exclusive membership of about 500 in the United States. It's part of the Societus Rosicruciana. They're all connected to Albert Pike, who, of course, is the, one of the Grand Masons of all time. It says, within a nation... The arenas are divided up into provinces, each of which has a, quote, college, their fancy word for a lodge. And Harry Bundy was involved in setting all of that stuff up. According to another article, The Aim of the Society, Searching Out the Secrets of Nature to Facilitate the Study of the System of Philosophy Founded Upon the Kabbalah and the Doctrines of Hermes, and it goes on. So they were studying basically like Egyptian gods and this idea that they were supreme beings. And these are the people who found found their way into government, found their way into banking, and on and on it goes. Another line that I thought was interesting in, a, in an article is so the Bundy family has been a very powerful family in American history which has managed to keep itself out of the limelight. Often, the members of the Bundys have had power by virtue of being advisors to those in powerful positions. I think that's the key right there. Yeah. They're not the goal setters. They're, they're not implementing policy on behalf of the Illuminati. They're kind of shills. They're the message carriers. They put these guys into positions next to presidents, banks, in the mafia, in all these key positions, mm-hmm. and they filter their knowledge. The Illuminati filters their wishes through them, and then they whisper into the ear of whoever it is they need to persuade or whoever they need to move in a certain direction. And that's who the Bundys are.
2: And I believe that from a lot of stuff that I've seen, and I think that's why they, like we keep saying, they're in the background by design. Because if they were out front, they wouldn't be able to whisper. But if they're in the background, they can whisper in your ear and whisper things, and they have just enough, they're known just enough to be trusted by politicians and everybody in the government. But they're still far enough in the background that they can whisper, and nobody hears it.
1: This guy William Bundy, who died October sixth in two thousand, I did a little bit of research on him. He was an American attorney, intelligence expert, and in analysis with the CIA. Served as foreign affairs advisor to both JFK and LBJ. And then I went down, and this is what I found. This is, this is what I found interesting. Bundy, as a, as a diplomat, first of all, he was a Republican. So don't get the idea that this is a, a Democrat thing. They're all over the place. They're Democrats, they're Republicans, they don't care. So he was a big time Republican. He helped implement the Marshall Plan. He was also a part of the Council on Foreign Relations. He contributed to the Alger Hiss Defense Fund. He was recruited for the CIA as an analyst. He He was at MIT, he was at Princeton. This I found interesting. He edited the foreign affairs of the Council on Foreign Relations from 72 to 84, and he also served as a member of the council. However, according to all reports, he declined an offer by Council Chairman David Rockefeller to be the council's president. And I wonder why that is. Hmm. Because as we know, the Rockefellers are, you know, one of the, the big dog families. I mean, maybe it's one of those things that he just by
2: accepting it would have put him. They felt it would have put him too far out in front. That was my thought. I mean, it's one of those things, like you said, like we keep saying they they're like this group, this family that nobody's ever heard of. And I think if they stepped out and all of a sudden they'd be people would be like, oh, who are these Bundys? And they would start looking closer. And I think that's one of the reasons why. They haven't had any of those. They might be part of the groups, but they haven't stepped out and said, oh, I'm going to be, you know, the this chairhead or anything, because all of a sudden it's like, oh, wait, now you're the chairhead. Now you're someone important. You know, let me look you up because it's kind of like any company. If you're looking at a company, you look at who runs it. You don't look at who the employees are.
1: Well, all you got to know about this guy, too, is that he was the honorary American Secretary General of the Bilderberg meetings from 75 to 80. That's all you need to know about this guy. His brother, McGeorge Bundy, also attended Yale, was a member of Skull and Bones. He was involved in intelligence, and he was on the Council on Foreign Relations. He served as National Security Advisor for both the Kennedy and Johnson administrations. So, yeah, these guys are still around the Bundy clan still moving and they're still in the shadows because I tried to look up, I'll just say modern day Bundy's and they're there. I mean, I, the the names are there, but what they're doing and what they're involved in, I couldn't find it. Yeah. I know they're all part of these foundations and as you know, I said earlier, the foundations, it, that's a tried and true trick that the Illuminati does. They put together these foundations. They pour a ton of money into it. It's a, it's a tax shield. And it's also a propaganda machine for whatever it is that they're trying to push out onto the public.
2: Yeah. Because uh, the biggest thing you run into is it's like, you know, one of the things that's why we talked about earlier about the names of these. Committees and all that kind of stuff. That's what matters because nobody looks any deeper than that. No. You know, it's like when you see a lot of the charities, if you look at a lot of the charities that are huge and people donate thousands of dollars to, and then you look into see what they really do and where that money really goes, you would be pissed.
1: I was just looking at one of these foundations that the Bundys were running, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. I think it was the Cornelius Foundation foundation but don't quote me on that and their income like the their annual income was like 40 million dollars so that was kind of their average their outgo was like 400,000 so whatever it is they claim they're doing, they're only spending $400,000, and that's probably mostly... I didn't really get into the details of it, but I would guess most of that is in renting their office, paying staff, and so forth. This even goes on with our athletes and super rich pop stars and rock stars, people who have a lot of money. That's why every every athlete has their charity. That's why every... A singer starts a charity, Mm -hmm. and they're just, it's to look benevolent, it's PR, and it's a place to hide money. Yeah. And then, so let's take somebody like Bill Gates. Bill Gates has said over and over again, I'm not leaving my kids anything. I'm going to leave them just a very little bit amount of money. But he put all of his money into the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, and, and he has more foundations than you can even count and so yeah he's not leaving his kids any money but he will leave them in charge of several charities yeah which is where he's pumped billions of dollars into and so they it may not be directly left to them but it's also a tax haven right if you leave a boatload of money to somebody the government's going to get a ton of it but if you leave a foundation and then you appoint somebody as the head of the foundation they draw a salary. Yes, and that salary can be set by whoever. That's yeah. a that's a tried and true Illuminati trick.
2: It is. And all you have to do for the charity is give a certain amount and it's not that big of an amount to uh, you know the actual research for whatever that charity and then, you know, oh, it's good. It's like one of the big ones that a lot of people talk about is a Susan G. Komen. They only give like 16%.
1: Look, if this is your thing, uh, and I, I I don't mind giving to charities, but I always go, there's a, there's a, a website called Charity, it's like Calculator mm-hmm. or Charity Compass or something like that. And they break down, they give a ranking to, you can just look up any group, United Way, Boys and Girls Club, Susan G. Coleman, look them up. And because they have to disclose, it's, if they're a, a nonprofit group, they have to disclose all their numbers, supposedly.
2: Yeah, exactly where the money goes to.
1: And it will show you for every dollar you give, how much actually goes to the charity they're representing. And you would be astounded. Some of these places, it's like a nickel on the dollar. And
2: one of those things, like I mentioned Susan G. because I was just talking to a friend about it the other day, but that's 16 to 19 percent that they do is actually high.
1: Oh, yeah. No, well, For A look, lot of the very well-known big charities. Go look at United Way. They're probably the worst.
2: Yeah. United then, Way is
1: probably the worst.
2: Look at the you know the people that run them and how much they make, and that's the same thing we're seeing with these big groups. You know the Bundys and everyone else. You know they they run these groups that oh we're doing working for world peace. No, you're not. You're just saying you are, and you're gonna give ten bucks to you know some charity for world peace that goes towards fixing world peace, and the rest
1: is going in your pocket or funneling it into politicians, funneling it into policymakers, to grease their skids so that they will push policies and push lawmakers to create favorable conditions for the overall takeover of the Illuminati. That's how that's working. Yeah. So as we get down to the end of this, don't underestimate these, I'm just going to call them lower family lines of the Illuminati. Do not underestimate somebody like the Bundy's. Because sometimes it's those quiet, sneaky ones that are doing the most damage. As the, you know, everyone hears about the Rothschilds, and you hear about the Rockefellers and the Asters and some of the big, big names that everybody's pretty much in agreement. Yep, that's their goal. They've explicitly stated it. You have mm-hmm. these lower level members of the Illuminati, the quiet ones who are doing massive damage. And I put the Bundys in that category. Oh, definitely. They are very hard to research on. I encourage you to, like you said, just don't, don't Google Bundy family because you're going to get Al Bundy and you're going to get Ted Bundy for days. Yes. You have to really, really go deep. So here's how I did it. I used try to use keywords. Uh, I looked up like Bundy bloodline, Bundy Illuminati, Bundy conspiracies, although that one will take you to a lot of Ted Bundy ones as well. But there mm-hmm. are certain ways that you can go about it and get kind of get around and filter through some of that stuff. But in the end, you're going to have to, uh, whether you're using DuckDuckGo or Google or whoever you're using, you're going to have to go pages in. That's just how yeah. it works.
2: I did I had to go quite a bit in. And like I said, if you try doing cause you know a lot of what I do a lot of times is I'll either, you know, listen to YouTube, you know, stuff or listen to, to uh uh other podcasts and other people talking about this stuff, and I couldn't find I, I found one episode of the for about the Bundy family and it was completely like horrible and useless. So um, There's I, I not a,
1: I think we've actually I think we've done a lot of work here, honestly, and it, it, because they are very, very difficult. And I will say this b- before we get on out of here, and I didn't get into it much. I didn't get into it at all, but there are a lot of connections between the Bundys and supposed Satanism. Yes. A lot of the family members are... Like I said, I talked more about the Theosophical Society and the German Illuminism and stuff. But a lot of the stuff, several of the members of the Bundys, according to documents and according to a lot of people who knew them, were heavy Satanists. And they were, they made no bones about it. They wanted to destroy Christianity. Oh, yeah. Which is another Illuminati you know, stamp. There's no doubt about that.
2: Oh, yeah, big time. I mean, that is because Christianity and like any belief system like that, that's why a lot of like communism and everything else wants to get rid of that because it gives people hope and gives them something to fight for.
1: There's a moral code generally associated with, you know, Christianity. There's, yes, there's hope. There's community. There's discussion. They gather together. They don't like that. We saw this. Mm-hmm. We saw that breakdown during COVID where they didn't want anybody to get together. Don't talk to even your neighbor. Don't go outside. Certainly don't go to the store. Can't go to church. Nothing. Do not congregate. And yeah. that's part of this Bundy crew. Several, Like I said, several of the members were linked to Satanism. And I know a lot of our listeners get a little eyes rolled back when we talk about Satanism. And when we talk about Satanism, though, we're not talking about like Anton LaVey and cartoon Satanism. We're talking about people who actually believe that Satan was a good guy and he's the author of light and he got a really bad raw deal and he's going to bring this illumination to the world. And that's what they believe. That's their their version of Satanism. That it's not like, you know, pentagrams on the floor and stuff. I mean, maybe they do that. I don't know. But mostly when you hear them talking about this, it's not witchcrafty type stuff. It's not demon. It's, it's that Satan got a raw deal and that he, he's been... The, the story's wrong, that he was actually in the Garden of Eden to help Adam and Eve, and because God is who he is, he's jealous and so forth... He you know has written the the book was written in a, a a horrible slant towards Satan, yeah, and that he's actually not a bad being, and he is full of light and knowledge, and they want to usher that into the world so there's there's that aspect of the Bundys as well they're definitely interesting all right, well, hey. If you have any questions, comments, or you found other stuff about the Bundys that we missed, email us at downtherh at protonmail.com. We love hearing from you. We've gotten a of, lot of great emails this last week, and we try to get back to you as soon as we can on it. I've got the midweek podcast coming up. I'm looking forward to that. We might talk a little bit of monkeypox. I've got some other things in the works that we're going to be uh, diving down the rabbit hole on. I did enjoy your Black Tom Island. I thought that was fun. We got we an did. email from a guy.
2: We did. We got an email from a from a gentleman who, um, in New York who said that um, there, there is a plaque in the harbor at one of the uh, parks um, that he actually goes and, and works out at that, he's, that does show Black Tom Island. So, I mean, it has been one of those things that, I mean, people, but like I said in the episode, what bothers me about it is how much of an effect it had and how much it should have had, and we've never heard of it. So, I mean, unless you go like this guy who you know works out and seen the plaque and you know grew up in New York, we've had other people who grew up in New York who have never heard of it, yeah, that's what that's the weird part to me.
1: It's a very weird thing. If you haven't heard that episode, go back and check it out. All right, well, everybody, have a great week. I will be with you on Wednesday, and Brandon and I will be back next week with another of these Illuminati families and going down the uh the rabbit hole seeing. just what the heck they're up to so yeah
2: Uh, yeah it's it's interesting
1: i'm big d i'm brandon we're out of here see you later